You're listening to Jack Barksdale's Roots Revival. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Barksdale. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jack Barksdale's Roots Revival. I'm Jack Barksdale, and today I'm here with Jamie Harris. And I'm super excited to to do this interview because I love Jamie's music. And she's just a really cool person, so I'm really excited to to do this. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my first question, I guess I should just uh, you know jump into it. When did you, how did you get started in music? Yeah, so when I was five years old, it was around Christmas time, and I told um, my parents that what I wanted more than anything in the world for Christmas was a Pegasus, like mm-hmm. a flying horse. Um, mm-hmm. And I promised all of my kindergarten friends that we were going to have flying horses and like be able to fly around at kindergarten. It was or at recess in kindergarten. It was a pretty big promise. Mm-hmm. And so they were like drilling me if there was like anything else I could, I possibly wanted other than like a mythical creature <laughs> and uh, I would not budge, but they noticed that um, there was this Amy Lou Harris Christmas record called light of the stable. And I kept putting this one song on repeat, which I've learned now, like the harmony vocals are sung by Dolly Parton and Neil Young. Oh, wow. Right. So I was like, what is this? Like, I was just mesmerized by her voice and the production and everything going on. So I just sat in front of that little stereo and just put repeat, repeat, repeat on that song. And so my parents thought that maybe I'd want a guitar for Christmas. And so that's how I got started playing guitar. And then um, when I was about seven, I saw Fleetwood Max The Dance, which was this like live performance that they did, I think, in Hollywood. It's most of the songs from Rumors. And I was like, I don't care if I'm Lindsey Buckingham or if I'm Stevie Nicks, but like, that's what I want to do. And so my dad put himself through college and law school by playing five nights a week in a cover band. Mm -hmm. So I would, I started like playing cover songs in the middle of the set breaks. And that's how I started getting on stage when I was kind of a kid. And -hmm. then I didn't start writing songs until after I was 14 and I saw Patty Griffin, Emmylou Harris, Julie Miller and mm-hmm. Buddy Miller all play at the first Austin City Limits music oh, festival. Wow. I saw that and I was like, that's when I want to be a songwriter. So that's kind of the short-ish version of my trajectory uh-huh. into being a singer-songwriter. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So I I really love your writing. And I, I think it's just a really cool style. It's like a, a it's a cool mix of kind of the kind of a blunt, harsh writing style and more of the you know poetic you know towns van zant like writing style it's a it's a really cool mix of that how did your writing style form like uh you know through songwriters authors poets you know just how how did it come to be this way so basically i, I grew up in a town that didn't have a local um radio station or a local record store so a lot of what I was getting music wise was coming to me like from mainstream radio. So at the time uh-huh. that was 90s country, which is really big. So it's super influenced by what the chicks were doing. And uh-huh. I didn't know that those, you know, that these were songwriters that I would grow to really admire or producers like Lloyd Maines that I would uh-huh. really grow to admire. Um, you know, Martina McBride, all that just Jody mm-hmm. Messina, 90s country. And I think that's yeah. kind of like where my pop sensibilities come from. Also, Tom Petty was a big influence on me as mm-hmm. well. So that's what what really got me into, I think that that a little bit of the pop sensibility and that's really how I was writing. And um, my writing, of course, uh, hopefully grows 
with every song. Um, but that's that's where that whole piece of that comes from for me. And it wasn't until like I was at a record store and I remember, um, I think it was in, in my teenage years and I got to see like an Emmylou Harris record and I opened it up and I was like, she didn't write any of these songs. Like it hadn't occurred to me that huh. someone that was singing the songs maybe wasn't the songwriter. And so that's how I became aware of like, um towns van zandt and like all these other incredible songwriters david mm -hmm. olney um even like through jimmy lafave was kind of my uh entry to donovan and bob dylan like a lot of mm -hmm. people don't need somebody else to tell them who bob dylan is but i did um because they don't play bob dylan on the radio mm -hmm. um and but i had heard i had a couple of songs of jimmy lafave's that i'd heard so that was kind of backwards and then when i Early in my years in Austin, I ended up in a band called Five and Dime with a guy named Darwin Smith, and he really gave me a quick education into a lot of revered Texas songwriters specifically. He got me further deeper into Joe Ely's catalog. He got me uh -huh. into David Halley. Basically, just being in Austin, I got definitely more, uh, I was definitely more in a songwriter community, which I also think has really helped my songwriting grow. And something that I did that I wish that I had done sooner was in 2017, I went to a songwriting workshop. It was hosted mm -hmm. by Eliza Gilkison, Gretchen Peters, and Mary oh, Gaucher. Wow. And that's when I really, like, I couldn't believe that I had gotten as far as I had or had done things that I had done mm -hmm. without going to a workshop. And I think a lot of that had to do with me finding a teacher that I really trusted. Uh -huh. um, and so what that did for me was it really accelerated my growth because it helped me become conscious of things that I was doing subconsciously in my writing. And so mm -hmm. now when I sit um, and, and face a blank page, I'm able to bring those things up and mm -hmm. it helps me become a better writer. And just as I've gotten older too, I, I mostly, uh, or not even older, but just further and, and more serious about my writing, um, where I've grown a lot is in my editing process. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's that I edit, 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 and then I go back to the original idea and go, well, that's actually where the magic was that was the strongest thing but oftentimes i'm able to take out unnecessary words and read it off the page as if it was someone speaking conversationally and i think a lot of that that i've learned like especially that mix of poetry of course i'm operating in the in the tradition of towns van zandt who i think mm -hmm. is like one of the best at that and you mentioned authors as well right so mm -hmm. you know towns and guy clark held up their songs to dylan thomas i think literature uh -huh. and how even knowing how authors operate and how they write is really impactful. Like we just got to go to a literary conference in New Orleans and I would recommend now, people ask me, you know, what's your songwriting advice? And normally I'd say, I really don't have any. I think you got to just explore, but I've changed my answer to go to a literary conference because mm -hmm. hearing about how a novelist and memoirist are approaching the art form, I think is really beautiful. And I think, People are recognizing songwriting as a serious literature form, obviously, with Dylan getting like the, the Nobel Prize in uh -huh. literature. Um, the way people talk about Nancy Griffith, John Prine, Towns mm -hmm. Van Zandt, I think that we're really starting to have a conversation around the growth of the art form. Mm -hmm. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah, that's really great. You talked about uh, Towns Van Zandt, which he's just one of my favorite songwriters. For me, he was really one of the kind of, you know, one of the first in that in that kind of in that scene and at that time to put so much poetry into his writing to make it so so real yet phantasmal at the same time yeah absolutely i think like one of the things if you really like 
go into Towns' songs that I'm always really impressed by. I always find that right before I start, or at least in the past, maybe four or five years, right before I start writing, again, I kind of go through cycles. I write every day and, you know, do morning pages, but I don't write songs every day. I don't sit uh-huh. down and go, even if I just change one word, I'm going to write. I, I'm not so disciplined in that practice, but uh-huh. I do feel these waves of creativity. And I always find myself sitting down right before songs start coming to me. And what I find led to do is just sit down and sing a lot of town songs. Like uh-huh. there's just something really comforting about that to me. And the more I do that, the more I realize, like, if you really look at the words that he's using, he's using simple language, right? Words uh-huh. that are, you know, any person that speaks English can understand, but the way he puts them together makes them so poetic. Because I think like we've all had the experience of hearing a songwriter's song where it's like, oh man, they're, they sound really smart. They're making me feel like I'm not as smart as they are. They're showing their writer's yeah. hand by being that poetic. And I think like Towns's mastery of being able to use common words in a poetic way is like Mm -hmm. a huge lesson that I've tried to really get into my system. And I'm trying to do that by just sitting around and playing his song Uh so that that language is in my body. Yeah, one of my my favorite town songs that I've come across fairly recently is uh, Cowboy Junkie's Lament. Mm -hmm. And it, it demonstrates that really, really well. You're totally right, it does. Yeah, that's one of my favorites too. You also mentioned uh, Tom Petty as one of your influences, and I love Tom Petty. I'm not sure that there are anyone, there's anyone who doesn't, uh, <laughs> but I am pretty curious. What's your favorite Tom Petty album? Ooh, I mean, I'm pretty, I love Wildflowers, even though yeah. it's not a Heartbreakers record, but yeah. it is. That's, I mean, I love the, just for me, song-wise, I think, uh-huh song for song for song that's just my favorite collection of course and i love like talking about sitting around playing other songwriter songs i mean you sit down and learn a tom petty song i always tell people especially like i've been really fortunate to have a pretty consistent band for most of the last i guess like six years of my um, artistry and when i have someone sub in i gotta tell them in this way like hey man these songs are like tom petty songs and by that i mean to the ear, they sound very simple, but once you learn them, once you get in, you start figuring out there's a weird thing that only happens once, or, mm-hmm. you know, like there's this two, a two bar thing that you got to look out for. And if you, mm-hmm. you know, ch- are charting the song and you're just thinking, oh, easy folk singer, you're going to miss it. And uh-huh. I think that's like really where the petty thing um, shows up in, in my work. But yeah, I mean, wildflowers, of course. Mm-hmm. I think probably my favorite i love wildflowers but i'd probably have to go with highway companion highway Companion's a great one too that's yeah just every song on the album is solid and it's it's just such a great album and it has a song called jack which is my name and it has of a course song, and it has a song called saving grace which is my sister's name oh uh, wow what a beautiful connection so it's you know just kind of a a fun album for the, just for that reason, not even including the great writing and production on that album. It's beautiful. Yeah, you know, we've been kind of talking about some of your, you know, core favorite artists. Is there anyone that you've come across recently that maybe you had never heard of before or is new on the scene that you've really been enjoying? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I, there are two people I would love to talk about. One is, I guess I got hip to her record a few years ago, but there's an artist named Caroline Spence that I love. Mm -hmm. She got sound, uh, signed to Rounder a couple of years ago. My friend, um, actually my friend Tom, to stay on the Tom train, mm -hmm. um, uh, turned me on to her music. He saw her play at a house concert with Robbie Hecht, and I really love everything about what she does. I love her mm -hmm. songs. I really like the production. Um, I just think she's an incredible artist that I want the more people to know about for sure. Mm -hmm. But my new favorite band, I got to tell you, I'm like obsessively listening to them because I have a sneak preview of their first record. But when I lived in Austin, the last three years I was there, my roommate was this awesome artist named Jane Ellen Bryant. And at the time, do you know Jane actually? Jack, I don't know if you guys ever crossed paths or maybe a couple times but not that i remember very vividly yeah so she um we had i won't tell it we got a, a cool story about how we ended up being roommates we were basically strangers mm -hmm. we're um at the time she was using the same guitar player that i use and that i grew up with and she was doing kind of this combination of singer songwritery stuff and this kind of sean colvin meets bonnie Raitt way as far mm -hmm. as like her presentation that's and cool. and those were that's where she comes from so it makes a lot of uh -huh. sense but she would do this like crazy rock and roll thing and then like also these really sweet tender songs and i learned so much about being a songwriter and being a background vocalist so, like we just inspired each other so much when we lived together she quit her job a year before i did and i went great it's possible i saw jane do it i'm gonna quit my job well one thing she really struggled with was how to marry those two things well, now she's in a new project with her boyfriend, um, Daniel Leopold, who is in a rock band called Leopold and His Fiction that I've mm -hmm. loved for years. So together they're in this project called Jane Leo, and she's playing a synthesizer. She's playing a drum machine. She's dancing on stage in a leotard. Daniel looks like Freddie Mercury, <laughs> and he plays this like flying V with these like incredible tones. Sometimes they have a live bass player and drummer and the songs mm. are great the energy is great and it's a show and i think yeah that sounds like, like a especially being show. yeah especially being like in singer songwritery world it's really nice to like see jane like touching the audience's hands like doing choreographed moves in a leotard and i just think their music is really interesting um uh -huh. and i predict they will be like super famous mm -hmm. in a year uh -huh. <laughs> that's my that's new favorite band that's pretty awesome yeah uh, so our You've been uh, releasing, uh, you released your, your debut album about four years ago now. You released a, uh, an acoustic EP of some of the songs off that album a few years after. And you've been releasing some singles here and there. Do you have any plans for new music or a new album, anything like that, that you're working on? I do. Yeah. So like one of the motivations for putting out some acoustic versions of the Red Rescue songs was because... When I left my day job in 2018, I went from, you know, working at a medical office and playing with a seven piece band mm -hmm. quite often. I knew there was a, a point when I saying no to opportunities was going to um, basically flip the switch and me leaving my day job. But mm -hmm. I had to be really careful about when to do that because I had um, I was the only person that worked at the office and I only had to work Tuesday through Thursday from like 11 to six. It was like the perfect job for mm -hmm. a songwriter, but I got asked to be a background singer in a popular band and I had to turn it down because of the job. So I started, I knew, mm -hmm. I was like, all right, it's time, it's time. 
So I went from, you know, playing, when I started playing, I really started playing with my dad. And then I was in that mm -hmm. trio, Five and Dime, I told you about. Uh -huh. I sang harmonies with another folk singer. Then I was in a band. So I went from like having a day job, playing with a seven piece band to being on the road as an opening act, playing completely solo acoustic in front of the biggest audiences I've ever played for in my life. And I had a total nervous breakdown because I realized, oh my gosh, I haven't actually ever done this. I've never really played as a solo artist this is terrifying especially because talking on stage is like my worst nightmare you know mm -hmm. <laughs> like i i write because that's how i'm able to communicate effectively in the world so mm -hmm. i had to be completely broken down and figure out how do i make these songs make sense right and acoustic world and so by doing that after i had my confidence completely shattered and it was really lonely and isolating mm -hmm. because i felt felt like i couldn't talk to anyone about it especially yeah. since a lot of my friends are musicians, singer songwriters that are working really hard that would have killed to be in that position and would have nailed mm -hmm. it and soared in the position I was like, grateful, I was grateful to have, mm -hmm. but I just felt like I was letting my friends down. I felt like I was letting myself down. I felt like I was letting like the headliner down, just everything. I had a complete crisis of confidence. But after I built it up a little bit, I approached Mark Hallman, who owned the Congress House studio. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hey, I really want to capture this um these songs in this way more stripped down to show myself that i did it so let's go in so we actually went in in march 2020 and just recorded those songs live and so um during the pandemic i spent a lot of time editing songs i wrote a few new ones but mostly i i found myself just working on songs that had maybe come into my consciousness or a little bit on paper in 2017, but I didn't really have the life experience to finish. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic and aging a few years gave me um, the what I needed to do in order to finish those songs. And so when the time came to make a record, I, I went back to Mark Hallman and I said, hey, do you feel comfortable if, you know, now that we've been vaccinated to make a record with me? And how about we just keep mm -hmm. it really simple, you, me, Andre Moran, who's the engineer and a wonderful guitar player. And he said, mm -hmm. yeah, let's do it. And so um, I ended up last year making a record in that way, which is there are a couple of guests, one being David Mansfield, who played violin on the Rolling Thunder tour. Um, my oh, friend wow. Michele Gazic, who's Italian violin player and Dirk Powell, who is a co-writer in one of the songs. He plays Cajun accordion. Um, my, a couple of friends of mine that sang harmonies on the record, but mostly it was just the three of us. Yeah. And um, and so I'm really, really proud of that song, really uh, of the, that record and those songs. And so I decided, let's go for it. Let's, let's see if we can do this with, you know, for real. Um, so I approached a distribution label and mm -hmm. they said, we're going to do it. I reached out to my dream PR person. He said, I'm on board. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am in this great position right now because my record won't come out until January 23 which means I have all of this time to continue writing, to get my stage show together and just to like be in the world without having to push the rock up the hill as far as the uh -huh. business is concerned <laughs> for just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So that's, I'm super that's excited awesome. for people to hear those songs. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm super excited for that. Thank uh, you. Yeah. So as well as, you know, working on this new music, you're also playing with, you know, several other uh, bands and artists. Uh, you appeared on Ray Wiley Hubbard's new album. H how's that experience working with Ray? I love Ray Wiley Hubbard. It was so fun. He's just a he's just a trip, you know. And it's kind of like 
I mean, I have this very vivid memory of not long after I moved to Austin and I'd never seen the Flatlanders play and they were playing for a benefit. I think it was for the, uh, uh, something had happened in Haiti. I can't his, maybe it was the tsunami in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And Ray Wiley was also on the on the bill, and I was front row, and I got to see him, you know, play. And just I remember looking up at him, thinking like, "Wow, he's so cool." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was like really s- kind of surprised mm-hmm. that that Ray reached out to me <laughs> and um, he wanted to write with me, and he asked me to sing on his record, and I was like, "Really, me?" And he was like. Yeah, you. And then he sends me this is this is like one of my favorite moments. Um, they changed it up a little bit, but the record is called co-starring two. So he's now mm-hmm. done. This is the second record yeah. he's done where he has a him and a bunch of guests. Right. Uh-huh. So it's like this record's like Willie Nelson, Ringo Starr. Like it's insane. Right. Like and mm-hmm. then Jamie, little Jamie Harris and everyone's font is like the same, which you play festivals, you know, it's like so uh-huh. cool. You know, when when a festival comes out and all the font is the same, because it doesn't really put a lot of like weight on any. I just think that's so beautiful. So he sent me the the first one and he said, well, you know, if if it wasn't alphabetical, I'd put your name right next right next to Willie Nelson. But I was like, right. I'm so stoked because my name is next to Eliza Gilkison and she's (laughs) like another one of my heroes. So this is still really, really cool for me. But it was a trip. I mean, it's a trip. Like, and I was trying to be really cool about it just because I've learned, you know, especially with songwriting, like some your song could be recorded and ready to be on the record. And then somebody else comes in and, and another song is recorded and your song doesn't make the record. So I didn't believe that this was actually going to happen until the day it was released. And when it was uh-huh. released was during South by Southwest this year. And uh-huh. I freaked out. I was driving everyone nuts. I'm like, I played a bunch of shows that week. I said, I just want to let you guys know I will only do this for 24 hours, but I would really like to brag that I am on the new Ray Wiley Hubbard record. Like I was super <laughs> annoying about it. I said, I'm just going to do this for 24 hours and then I'll totally drop it, you know, but it was, that was a long answer. Just like, it was, it's so exciting. It's on a major label. Like I just, Ray is someone who is always, always pulled people up along with him. You know, he's what in his seventies now, maybe, and just got his first like major label record deal. That is so encouraging. Mm -hmm. And what does he do with this opportunity? Does he make it all about himself? No, he brings in his friends and artists like me and Dalton Domino that aren't Mm -hmm. as well known and pulled him up with them. I think that's incredible. And I think it's a lesson in how we can really be of service when we get cool business opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Is there is there been anything else that you've been working on lately? I know that you uh, do a lot of stuff with the band Western Youth. I know you've got a ton of other projects. Yeah, the Western Youth thing is really fun. We, we've been working on a record um, and I love singing with those guys. It's really fun to just like go sing rock and roll. Uh-huh. Um, there's nothing more. I mean, it's just a blast, you know. And another thing I should have mentioned, one of my my favorite artists as well is this guy named Wes Collins. He is about he's about to quit his day job and go full time mm-hmm. and he's got kind of a crazy story. Um, I met him at a folk conference the year that he won the new uh, the Kerrville New Folk Competition. Oh, and wow. his story was he his um, he wrote songs in his early twenties, spent a little bit of time in Nashville, and then um, had a family. And his wife was the primary um, breadwinner, and he stayed home uh-huh. and really helped raise their children. Uh-huh. And then later in life, he decided, you know what, I'd like to work at a library. So he went back to school and learned how to be a librarian. <laughs> and then at 55 years old, he entered the new folk um, competition and said, 
hey, I think I'm going to try the songwriting thing again. And he won. And it's kind of changed his life. So now he's in his late 50s and has decided I'm going to go full time and do this for real. And he makes beautiful records with a producer named Chris Rosser out of North Carolina. Uh Uh, And um, I just he just released the first single and is going to be coming out with his record. I think it's called Jabberwockies. And Mm -hmm. um, I sang on his last record as well called Welcome to the Ether, because after I met him and heard his record, I begged him. I said, please let me sing on your next record. I would just text him out of the blue and go, I'm here if you want. I'll do it for free. I just love I'm a huge fan. Let me sing on your (laughs) record. And uh, he did. And he's invited me back for Jabberwockies. So I'm really excited for the world to hear that record as well. he's a really interesting writer yeah that's awesome you've also got uh, some really cool uh solo stuff this year and uh so is are there any uh shows or projects that you'd like to you know talk about and tell people about yeah sure thank you so another thing um that's been really cool as far as singing harmonies and having uh having some co-writes hit a record is my partner mary gauchet who i tour with is coming out with a record in june Mm -hmm. and um I believe I have two co-writes on that record and got to sing all over it. And it's a really uh-huh. exciting record. And so we're going to be, I mean, we are ready to go back to work. We'll be touring all over the United States mm-hmm. um, and as well as in the UK, in Europe, I believe in November, maybe possibly January as well. Uh-huh. Um, so that's what I'm looking I I love being on the road. And I love that doing this thing with Mary, I get to play some of my own songs and be a background singer because the, mm-hmm. both of those things are like so important to me that I feel like kind of like Lou Harris. Like I think that, I mean, I, I don't know her, so I can't like call, make a mm-hmm. call on her judgment, but I would guess that she, I mean, it looks like based on the work that she's done and the way that she builds her shows that she likes being in a supportive role just as much as she likes being a front person. And that's this, uh-huh. that's true for me as well. I'm so always... the opportunity to work with Mary is great. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I'm, you know, just listening to like a Guy Clark album or, you know, just some random really, really cool album. And then I just hear like, what's one of those harmony vocals? And it's Emmylou Harris. Yes, uh, almost every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many records she sang on, but all the time I can just hear like that's Emmylou Harris. Like, how does she mm-hmm. how does she sing on all these songs? It's uh, incredible. Her voice is so cool that I guess she's just uh one of the most in-demand harmony vocalists. Yeah, and the notes that she chooses, like her oh, voice yeah. is so cool. She, the parts that she chooses are so unique and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like, I got to be on a little thing with her on Kayamo, which is one of these like floating music uh-huh. cruises. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I got to be in a rehearsal with her where she was learning harmonies to one of Mary's songs or you know, creating her own unique harmonies to one of Mary's songs. And what struck me is like, I can't think of another voice that I've listened to more than Amy Lou Harris. I've really like taken in her, her voice just almost every day. I'm listening to something she's involved in, like uh-huh. by, because I'm listening to Amy Lou Harris, or like you said, I'm listening to this, like other person's record, like the Caroline Spence record. And there it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. Amy Lou's here. There she is. Yeah. But um, I was sh- surprised at how much volume, her voice has even when she does that delicate kind of whispery thing there is uh-huh. so much power oh, in her wow. voice and That's that crazy. me witness it, it's crazy because i you would think it was like a little more delicate i just yeah. had no, it's like a horn and that gave me a lot wow. of confidence too that went like oh she is like fully owning what she is working with in her body and it felt like it gave me permission to do the same uh-huh 
Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of going back to, you know, your, your solo stuff. I don't think I've seen you and Mary on stage live together, but I've been watching a lot of y'all's live streams, and y'all are just a wonderful duo. Because uh, you. You know, your voices go so well together, and y'all both have y'all are both just such wonderful songwriters. That's really cool to hear both of y'all songs, and uh, it's you know really cool. Are there any you know specific shows or uh, that you'd like to you know let people know to? You know, yeah, I mean, gosh, we're playing. I think that I mean, pretty much. I can't remember what's been announced and what hasn't been announced. I can kind of. Mm-hmm kind of check it out. I know that we're playing at McCabe's in um, in Santa Monica, which I'm really looking forward to because that's, that's just awesome. like a lot of my heroes have played there. I think we're going to be at the Mucky Duck in May. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, nope, can't announce that. I was like, there is some stuff that's really exciting, but I just can't, uh-huh. I can't tell people yet. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, I'm, you know what? I get equally as excited about playing like a house concert as I mm-hmm. do playing a legendary venue because mm-hmm. I just love, especially after the past two years of like having yeah. that really removed from us. Mm-hmm. I'm just grateful to be in, in any situation that I'm in. So I would just say, you know, if you're, if you, anywhere you live, if you live in the United States, we are likely coming to your <laughs> town or a town near you this year because we are stoked to be back to work and we have filled up the calendar. So you can find all that um, on my tour page on my website. Awesome. What's your website? Just jamieharris.com? Yeah, Jamie Harris, J-A-I-M-E-E, harris.com. Thank you so much for you know coming on and uh, you know doing my podcast. I had a great time, and I hope you did too. Um, Loved it. Yeah, so thank you so much. Once again, everybody, you're listening to Jack Barksdale's Revival. Hope to see you next time. <laughs>